Ephesians 4, verses 17 through 32. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the fertility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed, to practice every kind of impurity. That is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for a day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. May God bless the reading of his word. You all can have a seat. Welcome so much to Neartown Church. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here. And today I have the very distinct and enjoyable privilege uh, to introduce my friend, Pastor Paris Patrick. Uh, Paris is a pastor at Agape Community Bible Church in Aleph. And uh, a few weeks ago, I called Paris uh, because of a lot of things going on in this world, and I needed somebody who I knew, who I loved, and who I trusted to help me think through some things as I checked in on him and see, saw how he was thinking through some things. And uh, not only in that moment, but in many moments, God has provided Paris for me as a support, as an encouragement, and as a brother who is serious, serious about chasing after Jesus and letting others around him know who his king is. And so before we get started, I want to pray for him. I want to pray for us, and then I'm going to set him loose on God's word. So would you bow your heads with me? Lord, I thank you so, so very much for Paris. I thank you for the ministry that he has within his own family, the ministry that he has in a leaf, and all the incredibly cool things that you are doing through him that he would never have expected. But you are moving, and Lord, I know that you are here as well. So first of all, I ask, Lord, uh, an extra special blessing on his church as they meet in his absence. Lord, continue to let your word go forth. Continue to let your name be magnified there. And then, Lord, we pray for the same thing here. Open our hearts. Lord, season Paris' mouth with just grace upon grace, and let the truth that you have brought to him from your word be known to us. Lord, let you see, let us see you anew and move through this room in power. We love you and we trust you in all things. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Blessings, brother. Amen. Amen. He introduced me as his friend, but we're more like brothers. We, sh- we have the same father. I'm not sure if you can tell that or not, but <laughs> we have the same daddy, different mothers, but we are actually joined together in Christ Jesus. Amen. 
Uh, he gave me an, an idea of where you guys are. He told me that you were going through the series in Ephesians, talking uh, basically the whole chapter in the series is called Walk. And uh, he let me know where uh, you were going to be in this series when I got here. So I'm just going to simply pick up where he left off at verse 17. And the very first thing we come across is the words, therefore. And when I was a young kid studying the Bible, uh, I, I received Christ at the age of six in a dream. The Lord gave me a dream at the age of six, and the first thing my dad did was put in my hand the King James Bible. And so I've been reading the King James Bible since I was six, so it is my heart language. Uh, so I just want to let you know that I'll be reading out of King James. You may have a different version. But in the King James, one of the very first words is therefore. And whenever you see the word therefore, you have to know why it's therefore. And so uh, when you get the idea of Ephesians chapter 4, you really get the idea of what he's talking about. One of the things he's talking about is we are one in the body. Now that we are joined together in Christ, now that we are brothers and sisters in the faith, now that we are have, have one mind, we should consider each ourselves as one body. In fact, verses 15 and 16 clearly states that. And I love the example of, of a pastor friend of mine in California. He, he gives this example of how a body functions is. If anyone's ever stubbed their toe, raise your hand if you've ever stubbed your toe. All right, now, in, in stubbing your toe, you get an idea of how the church works. You stub your toe, bam, ah! Immediately, your toe, which doesn't have a mouth, gets spoken for by the mouth. Your mouth flies open. And if your mouth is sanctified, all you do is scream. But if you're not sanctified yet, you know, dollar sign, exclamation point, asterisk may come out. After your mouth says what the toe cannot. Your hands come and say, I'm coming, I'm coming down. And your hands rub. And, and that's not enough because the rest of your body needs to help. Your butt says, come on down, I can hold your weight. And you find the very first thing that you can get to sit down so your hand can rub the toe and your mouth can express what the toe cannot feel. And I believe that that is why the Bible clearly talks about us being a body so that you can look at how your body works and get the idea of if one of us hurts, we all hurt. If one of us is happy, we're all happy. And it is this reason where Paul gets to the point in verse 17, and he says, therefore, because we're all one body, because we're all together, because we all should be like-minded by Christ, he says, we should not walk as other Gentiles walk. This word walk in the Greek is a word that means do as they do, which means we should look different. We should act different. We should be crying with those who cry, whether they are saved or unsaved. If there is pain in the world, we should feel their pain. We should not be as it, it would imply here how Gentiles walk. They act as though they are not connected in the body. Guess what's common amongst all of us on this planet? If we're all on the same planet and if the ship sinks, if you live in Pearland, your ship's going to sink too. If you live in Katy, the ship's going down. If you live in Hobby, the ship's going down. So I care about who lives on the other side of the boat, even though it may be an impoverished area. Because if their boat sinks, it's not going to take too much time before just the front of the boat sinks. And now I'm at the back of the boat in the first class. I'm going down. Gentile, the mind of a Gentile doesn't think in a way that we are connected. And Paul would say in the power of Christ Jesus, we are connected in Christ. So one of the things that we should not walk like them in is understanding that we are all connected. We are all as one. We are all together in Christ. And part of that is our love for one another and our love for the world as Christ loves the world. When you saw Christ walk the earth, he went after people who the 
religious people of that day would not go after. The woman at the well, the leprous ones, the ones that were sick, because he realized something. They are valuable. Even though they don't know me yet, they are valuable to me. And one of the ways that we cannot walk like them is to, be, uh, to understand we are connected in, in the same body. One of these things that I like to do is I like to tell the story of the Bible. And so these last few verses, 17 to 32, I believe that there are three to four major points there that Paul is making. The first point that he's making there in verses, when you look at verses 17 through 19, is talking about leaving your pre-Christ life. All of us have a pre-Christ life. Every single one of us. When you came to Christ, you brought your prejudices. Y'all know y'all, you know, if someone cut you off at that stoplight, look at that woman. That's a prejudice. Some of y'all, some of y'all say that. Some of y'all say, I bet you he's from Timbuktu. I bet you she's from China or whatever it is. That comes out the minute someone doesn't go through the yellow like you want to go through or someone stops just a little bit too long at that stop sign. Guess what you did when you came to Christ? You brought that with you. Christ saved you with that in you. Now, through the process of sanctification as you're in Christ, he roots that out of us. And so verses 17 through 19 talk about getting rid of those things that would cause us to be separate from the body. It's as if we look in the body and we say, you know, if you have a stroke, it's still connected, but I can't move it. It's of no use. And those of us in the body who are in the body of Christ, but fail to rid ourselves of our Gentilish behavior. By the way, that's a word Andrew and I made up. We want to patent that word. That's our word. So anytime you say that, think of me and him. We made that word as we were talking over the phone. When you don't rid yourself of your Gentilish behavior, it's as if you're part of the body, but you're of no use. How can you save poor people when you feel a certain way about them? How can you save and how can you give the gospel to those who don't smell good when, you, when they are around you and you feel a certain way towards them? This is why, this is why the woman at the well could not be saved by Christ while his disciples were there. He had to send them away. Because while Jesus' heart was for her, all they saw was a dirty woman. This is why children could not get saved around the disciples, because while Jesus' heart was to save them, they were no good to Christ in that area because they did not want Christ to be bothered. And these verses tell us, look, therefore, now that we are one body, everyone understands Now that we're at this point where we understand we are one, we are connected, let's leave the things behind that we brought with us when we got saved. Our classism, our prejudices, our our mindsets, our sexism. He says, having your understanding darkened, this is the King James again, being alienated from the life of God through ignorance which is in them because of the blindness of your heart. Now, this word blindness, it, it, it's, it's basically a word that means to be hardened, to be callous. I lift weights. I'm not an avid lifter like I used to be, but I still lift. I have calluses on my hands. These calluses came from constantly injuring my hand. Every time, every single time I would lift weights, my hands would be injured. My body, wanting to protect itself, says, oh, let's build an extra layer of skin to protect the hand. Now, here's what this tells us and what it should tell us in regards to people who don't seem to care. What it tells us is that their ability to care has been calloused over through a repeated action, through a repeated statement, through a repeated mindset. And the way you know this is because if the thing that they don't care about happened to them, how quick do you think they care? They care real quick. 
And one of the things that we need to get rid of in our Gentilish behavior is the callous. Where in your life is the callous? Where in your heart is the callous regarding your brothers and sisters in Christ, and more importantly, your neighbors in the world? Where is the callous where if Jesus said, I want you to go to the ghetto and preach, would you say, Lord, I don't like those people? That's a callous. If the Lord, you were in Kroger or H-E-B or some store and the Lord called you, it's at this point right now that I want you to obey my commission. The commission was to spread the gospel. If you're in the store and he says, I want you to pray for her. If you hear the Holy Spirit in that way and, and you look at her and you say, Lord, surely not me. Could that be that you're hearing the voice of God, but because of a callous, a hardened heart? We won't hear that word from him. This is what Paul is saying. If we're of the same body, we need to rid ourselves of the things that we brought to the body and become truly one together. Let's not be callous. Let's get rid of the hardness of our heart. Let's get rid of the things that caused us to be blind. And he says here, who being past feeling, in verse 19, have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all unclean works of greediness. You look at the news today. You see this. You don't see people who woke up and they had the ability to do this without conviction. Because even the Bible says that even the unsafe people have the moral law of God written on their hearts. Something has happened where the heart has become blinded to even the moral law that God has written on their heart. You don't have to be saved to know stealing is wrong. I don't have to be saved to know cheating is wrong. I don't have to be saved to know that killing someone is wrong. Those are things that God put in us. But through the callous process, these things begin to revert us back to a Gentilish behavior where I don't care for my fellow man and they don't care for me. This is how old ladies can get their purses stolen. This is how children can get abused. This is how all kinds of things happen. The Bible says in the King James lasciviousness, I forget what the ESV says, but it, it may say some other word there. But these things happen not because people don't have compassion, not because people can't feel anything. It's because They've gotten to the point where they can no longer. And Paul would say, therefore, let's leave these things. We all brought them to the body. And if we're going to be a healthy, functioning body, the best thing we can do is say, Lord, it's me. It's me. And I want to be a part of a healthy, functioning body. And I want to get these things out of my body. I want to walk in the manner you've asked me to. And I can't do that if I bring to the body the things that you delivered me from when I was saved and I continue to walk in them. So let's rid ourselves of our pre-Christ life. And then the next three verses bring us to the next point here. And that is you can find your new life with a new heart. God can remove. If I stopped lifting, my hands would revert back to normal. The calluses would either soften up or peel off. My daughter, who's 12 now, she'll sit through a whole movie and she makes me watch movies with her, Goosebumps. I know all the goosebumps because I watch them with her and I know all that stuff. But she'll sit here and she'll say, Dad, and she'll tap her lap. And I know that that means I have to put my hand on her lap because she wants to peel these calluses off. That's what she does the whole movie. And by the end of the movie, she'll have a pile of skin on a paper towel because she's pulled them out. That's just what she does. But if I stop lifting, that would happen by itself. Here's the point. If you stop doing the things that hardened you in the first place and allow the thought processes of God to take over. Verse 25 would happen in your life. 
Put away lying. Put away speaking evil to your neighbor. For we are all members. Don't be angry. Don't let the sun go down on your eyes. Those things seem hard to us when you look at your spouse and you say, you made me upset today. And you continue that frame of thinking without saying, but she's also my sister in Christ. Imagine if God got mad with you the way you got mad at them. Imagine. But we expect from God immediate grace, immediate forgiveness. And you know what God has asked us to do? Forgive so that your sins can be forgiven. He expects us to show them the same forgiveness and grace that we expect from him. The series is called Walk. And so if we're going to walk in a way worthy, let's do away with the things that we brought that would cause us not to walk. And it's easy when we begin to stop lifting. Stop picking up bitterness. Stop picking up hatred. The next time someone cuts you off and your mouth wants to say, I bet you that's a woman driving that car. Stop. Close your mouth and don't say it. Just practice it. And after a while, you just, you just won't care who you're driving. Because we all have it. We all have the callous. We all bear the scar of a Gentilish life. But that scar and callous will wear down when we come to Christ and we say, Lord, unblind me. Unblind me. Did you notice that it says, Wherefore put away lying, speak the truth every man to his neighbor, for we are all members one of another. We're not only talking about brothers and sisters in Christ, for Jesus said, Jesus was asked the question, Who is my neighbor? My neighbor is who I'm immediately in proximity to. So when I run across my neighbor, my Gentilish mind may call that person one thing, but the God in me requires that I call them and treat them another way. They may not be saved, but they are, they are nonetheless an image bearer of God. All men were made in God's image. And so if that individual is an image bearer of God yet to be saved, they should be treated as such. Skin color, sex doesn't matter with this mind. But our Gentilish side can look at an individual and make up all kinds of things. But Paul suggests that we can put those things away. Let him that steal, steal no more. Uh, verse 28. But rather, let him labor, working with his hands. The thing which is good, that he may uh, have to give to him that needs. Let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but to that which is good, to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearer. Not just you. I want everything that comes out of my mouth to edify all that would hear it. Edification means to build up. By the time I'm done with you, I want you to be built up more than when you came in. But that mindset should go past these walls. That mindset should go to the cashier who is treating your groceries bad. She could have got beat that morning. Her husband could have hit her. She could have lost her mother that morning. She, she can have some grace in checking your groceries if she's checking them out with an attitude. Before we report her to the manager as children of God, why... Don't we ask her, are you okay? Can I pray for you? Instead of, let me talk to your manager right now. 
No, no, no. God would require that we show grace to our neighbor. God would require that before we get angry, we say, is this something that I should be angry about? For they slapped my master and my master said if they slapped him, then I should expect some other things coming my way. And yet he showed grace. And if he asks, if he's asking me to walk in his way, then Lord, help me. Remove the callus so that every time I go out of my house, I'm not fighting for what I think is my rights. Do you know that God was only able to save the world because they tried to kill him? Imagine if he came and he fought for his rights. I'm innocent. You're not going to kill me today. I'm not dying for you. He would have never died for us. Because the fight for what I think is my rights is not what's important. What is important is I want to show you Christ, even if that means I need to turn the other cheek. By the way, I always found this funny that God gave us four cheeks. There's two here and there's two there. So you got a lot of cheeks to turn. I'm just saying. He gave us four. And he said, turn the other cheek. You're not done with these two because then you can go like this. It's saying, have patience. It's saying, allow me to win over your enemies through exhibiting me to them. Edify them by showing them me. Don't show them your callous. Don't show them your wound. Don't show them that you, you know what? I, I may be in Christ, but I still, gotta, I still got some of that in me now. I can go back. No, the purpose is, I want to be so lost in Christ, I can't go back. I want to be so lost in Christ, I don't know how to be that way anymore. I love the story of Enoch. The Bible said that Enoch walked with God so much that God went ahead and called him home. And in my mind, because I grew up reading comic books, so I have a very imaginative way of thinking. In my mind, God and Enoch are just talking and walking. And Enoch, God looks up and says, oh, Enoch, you're closer to my house than yours. Why don't you just come on to my house? That's what I see. Enoch, it's further, it's further for you to go back. Just come on to my house. I want to be so in God that if something were to strike me just the right way, I would not be able to bring up what I used to bring up. I'm not there. I want to be. And to my desire to want to be, the callous is being removed off my heart. So that verse 25 becomes easy. I can put away lying. I can put away things. I can I cannot have corrupt communication come out of my mouth. I cannot grieve the Holy Spirit. Do you see that verse, verse 30? Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. The Bible says that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Once you're in Christ, you're in Christ. I, I am a proponent of eternal, eternal security. If you've truly believed Christ with all your heart, nothing can separate you. And this verse basically says, don't give God buyer's remorse. Don't allow God don't accept Christ and Christ says, my payment I give to you only to then say, oh, God's looking at you and you're the same way you were when he found you. It's buyer's remorse. He can't give you back. He bought you. You are his. He loved you so much. He will always, always love you. But you can grieve him. And God doesn't want us to stay the same way when he found us. He found us with a scar. He found us with a callus. He found us with blinders. He found us saying things that we ought not say. But he, he's asking us, when you realize you're part of the body, do the things that bodies do. Reach down to the toe. 
rub the toe, say the things the toe can't say. In other words, speak for the innocent. Your toe can't talk for itself when it's stubbed, but your mouth can talk. Part of the body is, I will defend those who cannot defend themselves. Children, disabled, elderly. If I see injustice, it's in my heart to, to fix it in whatever way I can. I, I may not be able to build an orphanage. I may not be able to pay for your court case. I may not be able to take you out of that abusive home and put you in mine. But surely there's something that I can do to speak for the innocent because it's what bodies do. And so when I see the innocent killed and when I see babies aborted and nothing said, I'm not going to tote signs in front of Planned Parenthood, but I am going to find out what I can do to help that woman not kill that child. My wife and I, she's sitting there. My wife and I have told many women, have the baby and, and, and give the baby to us. I live in an area where abortion's high. I live in Ailey, and abortions are very high there. Fatherlessness is very high there. It's a very impoverished area. It's very difficult to pastor there because you are pastoring people who are more scar than Christ. And as I'm ministering to people who are more scarred, and as their scars are being peeled off, I'm ministering to them as their scars are being peeled off. So there's behavior there that is still Gentilish. Our word, right? And so we've had to tell young ladies, don't do it. Give, give them to us. Give her to us. My wife and I will take the child. And then we begin to pray for those mothers and say, Lord, by the end of those nine months, Cause her heart to love that child. In every situation, the, Bible, uh, the, the Lord has caused that mother to love that child. By the time the baby's born, my wife and I say, we're ready. And the mother will say, no, I'm keeping this one. And we say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Amen? You can do something because we're of one body. And so the Bible says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Enter into your new life. And the Bible would imply here that as you do these things and as you, as you realize you're part of one body, you're going to realize what part of the body you are and what you can and cannot do. Imagine if my mouth decided, I want to walk today. And you saw me and my lips were trying to walk. It can't do that. But there are some of you here who are the mouthpieces of the innocent. There are some of you here who have it in your DNA to speak for those who can't speak for themselves. But then again, there are those of you who are the hands and feet of God. You may not be able to speak, but your pockets talk. Your hands talk. Your actions talk. There may be those who want to say, you know what? I don't want anyone to know what I'm doing. Tell me what you need. I want to be anonymous. But yet you realize that's my function. That's what I do in the body. And I'll walk. Remember, therefore, all of this is because of therefore. Therefore, now that you know verses 1 through 16, you can do these things. You can. And Paul implies it can be very easy as the calluses fall off. Starting at verse 31 is another point. As you begin to leave the old life, it, it's still there, but you left it. Remember, the things that I brought to Christ in my Gentile mind, in my Gentilish behavior, are with me through life. Paul called it the battle between the old man and the new. I, I am in Christ, but there is a part of me who does not want me to be in Christ. Which man will I exercise? It's as though... Uh, you have a spiritual arm here and a fleshly arm here and whichever one you exercise will be the stronger one. 
And once you are saved and in Christ, the battle no longer becomes the battle for your soul. The battle now becomes the battle of your will. Because Paul said, the things I want to do, this flesh causes me not to do them. But I want to do them. But sometimes I, I choose over here. And so therefore the battle becomes my will. In verse 31 in the King James, I'm going to read it because there's a word here I want to exemplify for you. It says here, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. That is there because of the word therefore. All of us can probably raise our hand to one of those things. Bitter, anger, wrath, clamor, evil speaking. You could raise your hand to one of those things. The key word here, the most important word in my mind in that verse is the word let. You have to let those things be taken away from you. Those words put away in the Greek, it means to be raised up from or to have taken away. Which means there's someone doing the taking. But is your hand open? If your hand is like this, I don't have anything in my pocket, but if, if your hand is like this, and in this hand is unforgiveness towards someone, Paul is saying, let God take that. No! You ever had a child who you tried to take something from, and you let them have it because to take it, you might hurt them. And so you say, oh, fine, keep it. And the child says, okay, that's what I wanted anyway. And they go along their way, and they kept it. It's the same thing with God. Do you know that God says he will deliver you from your enemies, not your friends? If your friend is bitterness, he's not going to deliver you from it. If your friend is anger, if your friend is prejudiceness, why would he deliver you from something you regard as your friend? He came to deliver us from our enemies. And we've got to let him take it. As it stands today, I know who I'm talking to. I know I'm talking to saved people. There may be some in here that are unsaved, but I also know I am talking to people who bear the mark, who bear the scar, who bear the callus. And I know that as I'm speaking, there's something that you've got to open your hand to. You've got to let God take that unforgiveness. Let God take that bitterness. Let God take the things that cause you to revert to a Gentilish mind in that area. Everything else, you may be fine. But there may be that one thing. When they do it, you say, see, they're all like that. Or when they drive that way, you say, see, I don't even know why they give them licenses anyway. Open. Open. Lord, it's me. Lord, I have a callus in that area. Take this from me. I don't like thinking that way. Anybody just, anybody ever look at yourself and say, I don't like that thought? Anybody ever said to yourself, I don't know why I think this way. I don't know how that thing got in my mind anyway. You're almost there. The next step past not liking it is asking God to take it. Let it be put away from you. Which means let it be taken up. Bitterness can be a 100-pound weight, a 300-pound weight. Bitterness and wrath and unforgiveness, evil speaking, those things can be in my family. Evil speaking, it's not in my family, but it may be in yours. There are things in my family that are not in yours, but it can be generational. Mama spoke that way. Daddy spoke that way. Their daddy's daddy spoke that way, and I speak that way. I think that way. I treat people that way because that's how they treated certain people. 
That is a weight you cannot lift on your own. You can only let the anointed one take it. This thing is about walking in the way that is worthy of what God has called us to. And what Paul is suggesting is there's something in our hearts that would cause us not to walk that way. He said there's a callous on our heart. Jesus Christ in Isaiah 61 says that he's been anointed. He is the anointed one to heal us, to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. To give deliverance to those that are in bondage. Wouldn't it be great if you had it in your mind to begin to meet the anointed one regarding the things in your heart that wake up the scar? I, I know in my community, like I said, I minister daily. There are there's police violence. There's things that happen there all the time, and I have to minister to people that are there. That all of a sudden, when the next African American kid is shot. I have to deal again with weeks of hate because it wakes up in them, the scar. When the issue is not, he should have just obeyed the cops. That's not the issue because you see that it happens to other people groups, other people groups, and they don't get killed, but they disobey. So the issue is not obeying the cop. The issue is there is a heart issue in our country, in our world. And unless we get down to the fact of I want to heal the heart, I want God to heal the heart of the people not my rights. Christ was very clear. We have no rights. We don't. And unless we get down to the bottom of it, and that is to introduce Jesus Christ, introduce people to the anointed one, to Jesus Christ, so that their hearts can be healed, none of this will ever stop. Every day someone will die at a cop's hand. Every day a cop will die by someone's hand. Every day children will be aborted. Every day, old women will be molested and raped and robbed. Every day, this will happen because we are fighting for rights and not fighting to heal the heart. And the reason why Paul says, look, 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 it all boils down to this. You're one body. If you see pain, heal the pain. Act as one body. Walk as a body in a manner that is worthy of Jesus Christ's body. As a church, as near town church, there, are, there may be issues that God may have put on all of your hearts. As a church, let's go minister there. Let's go here. As a church, this is the thing that God has put on us. And the world in that area will have their hearts healed, whatever it is. He says in verse 32, be kind one to another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God's, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Who is it right now that you haven't forgiven? Just who is it? Don't say it. They might be sitting next to you. <laughs> Sometimes the Bible makes it sound too easy. I don't think that's an accident. I think in Christ Jesus, it's not about being easy. It's about being obedient. And I think that in Christ Jesus, if we will find it in our heart to say, Lord, I am bitter towards my spouse. I am racist against white people or black people. Take it from me. I didn't know I was black until I was nine years old. My school teacher in the third grade called me at the N-word. 
My dad raised me that I was a human being. I did not know I was African-American. I certainly didn't know I was N-word until I was nine in third grade. There began my experience with racism, and it carried on through the, through the course of my childhood life. If anyone can hate Caucasian people, it's me. But my father knew what I'm teaching you right now. And my father said, son, it's not about your rights. It's about asking God to heal your heart and theirs. That's what it's about. There will always be confusion in the world because Satan is after brokenhearted people to make them do what brokenhearted people do. Broken people hurt broken people. But if you can introduce them to the anointed one. At my church in December, we had a man that was the leader of the Aryan Brotherhood in the TDC, spoke at my church, had swastika tattoos and teardrops from all the black people he had killed. He gave a sermon at my church in December. And after the sermon, we embraced him, probably a five-minute hug and snot all over ourselves and tears everywhere because I wanted to show the forgiveness that can happen in Christ Jesus. He knows the story. The, the, the clan burned my house down. They cut my brother's ear off. They split his hand down the two because my brother dated white white women. The woman he was dating, brother, was in the clan. So I shared my story at a TDC meeting, and he came to me after the meeting and says, I am of the Aryan Brotherhood. I know what you're talking about. I don't know that story, but that's what we do. And I said, I want you to speak at my church. I want the people of Ailey to know that healing and reconciliation is possible, not because we fought for rights, but because the anointed one healed. The anointed one, not to mention I'm half white. Y'all can't tell right now, because I. but my mother is half white, and so I'm a fourth. Does that make me a fourth? I don't know. My mother is half white, and I'm a fourth, so it's not like I can go to my grandma and say, I hate you. I love my, I love my grandmother, you know. So that helped a little. That helped a little. But God introduced me to himself. And when you allow God to come into your life and say, son, I'm not going to teach you to fight for your rights, but I will heal you of what has hurt you. Then you can go out into the world and instead of acting from the scar, you can act, you know, you can walk in a way that's worthy of the God that saved you. Anyone here have a callus? Just raise your hand. Just let me see. Anyone here have a scar in your life, an old Gentile mindset? Raise them high. Be proud of your scar. Come on, Paul was proud of his scar. Raise it. Raise it. Raise it. Keep it raised. Keep it raised. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I just pray. I ask you, Lord God, that the words that have been spoken here today, Lord God, would be true. I ask you, Lord God, that you would heal those who have their hands raised. Take away their scar. Heal their heart. Help them to walk in a way that is worthy of being in the body of Christ. I ask you, Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, that no matter what it is, rather it's bitterness, rather it's evil talking, rather it's racism, rather it's sexism, rather it's abortion, rather it's divorce, rather it's unforgiveness towards spouses, Lord, deal with the scar. Give them the courage to admit they have it. And then give them the strength to open up their hand and let you take it. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us in the midst of all of our sin. I pray it in Jesus' name.